what is up and welcome back to beyond the arc with brandon silvers as always i am your host brandon silvers talking about some grumpy athletes this week but first hope you are doing well and studies show that you'll be doing even better if you like subscribe rate review and share this so thank you in advance let's get into it all right it is holiday season a time for joy cheer being jolly all that good stuff unless you're someone like me who is typically upbeat, energetic, and optimistic, but gets grumpier the deeper we get into this time of year. Now, it's not necessarily the holidays that cause me to get like this. It's probably a number of factors that just happen to coincide with this time of year. I'm not a man who enjoys an outdoor air temperature below 73 degrees Fahrenheit. Also, I love sunshine, so I can't imagine that the sun going down early does anything to help. I also feel sluggish due to the amount of carbs I consume between Thanksgiving and my birthday in January. Feeling sluggish doesn't do anything for my bad mood. On top of that, it's just a stressful time of year with families, work, shopping, and everything that goes on. Some might say I'm being a Grinch. Now we're all familiar with the character from the Christmas classic known for his grumpiness brought on by his hatred of all things Christmas. We've seen the movies, we've read the book, heard the song, You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, which I believe to be the first ever recorded diss track. I'm being for real, go listen to the song, pay attention to the lyrics. It's just telling him how much he stinks, comparing him to other terrible things. I mean, listen to this. The three words that best describe you are as follows, and I quote, stink, stank, stunk. Is he Dame Diddy, Dame Daddy, or Dame Dummy? Stuff like that. Anyways, the Grinch was able to turn it around by the end of the story, but that's easier said than done. And I'm not alone in my Grinch-like demeanor this time of year. In fact, there seems to be an epidemic of Grinchness spreading across the sports world. So let's talk about some of the recent sports Grinch moments and break them down. Obviously, we have to start with Draymond Green. First of all, the name Draymond Green sounds like what Dr. Seuss should have said the Grinch's fur was. Like if you were to say to a person in the 1950s or whenever this book was written, hey, uh, what color is the Grinch? And they were like, Draymond Green, that person would believe that the Grinch was Draymond Green. I don't know what color green he is. Maybe it's Draymond Green. Anyways, Draymond's antics are also as well documented as the Grinch's story. The most recent incident for Draymond was his spinning head smack against Phoenix Suns center Yusef Nurkic in Draymond's sixth game back from a five-game suspension he got for putting Rudy Gobert in a chokehold. For those of you keeping score at home, Draymond was also suspended a game in the Warriors' first round matchup against the Kings in last year's playoffs for stomping on the chest of Domantas Sabonis. And of course, last season started with video leaking of Draymond knocking out then-teammate Jordan Poole in practice. He's also world famous for his natural kicking motion to people's dicks. We have not seen a highlight reel of combat moves like this since the days of Kimbo Slice. The thing that fascinates me about Draymond is that he seems to truly believe that not only are his actions justified, but also that he's somehow the victim in everything he's ever done, which I will say we also see in the Grinch's story. Luckily, unlike the Grinch, pro athletes give press conferences that can provide supplemental info for people like you and me. So let's break down Draymond's post-game comments where he talks about his falcon punch to see the levels of delusion he's able to reach to justify what he does. First, he starts off explaining that Nurkic was pulling his hip, so he was, quote, swinging away to sell the call, 
made contact with him. As you know, I'm not one to apologize for things I meant to do, but I do apologize to Yousef because I didn't intend to hit him. Let's stop here. First of all, the words contact and intend are carrying a lot of weight here. When you look at the video and see how Draymond swung his arms, I'm not sure how you could expect any outcome other than hitting Nurkic. This is the entire foundation of object permanence. You are swinging your arm in a pathway where you know Nurkic's face is located, or maybe you aren't sure if it's his face exactly, if I wanna be generous, but at the very least, you know some part of Nurkic is there. What were you intending to do if not have your arm, quote, make contact with Nurkic? Now this word contact is accurate by definition, but seems to be underselling the force of what actually happened. It doesn't come close to telling the full story, which is Draymond smacked the shit out of a man. Smacking the shit out of man is not the image that the word contact conjures up in your mind when you hear it. It sounds like how police describe killing people. Yeah, there was an officer involved incident where the bullet from one of our officer's guns made contact with someone's chest. After he gets through this part, he was asked if he'd seen the replay and what he thought, and he said he'd seen it, but replays are never going to look good. Let's think about what he's saying there. The leap that he's made in his mind to justify that not only did he not mean to do this, but it wasn't that bad. Replays are never going to look good. Well, what's a replay? A replay is footage of what happened. So he's saying, of course it's going to look bad when you look at what I did. Instead, listen to my description and try to feel the vibe, the essence, the aura of what I did. Yes, I get you might think that I smacked the shit out of a motherfucker if you use your eyeballs to watch me smack the shit out of a motherfucker, but I didn't really smack the shit out of a motherfucker. He also justifies the general movement of what he did by saying that he, quote, sells calls with my arms. I don't fall to sell a call, I'm not a flopper. If someone who has a protractor would like to fact check me on this, please do. But if doing somewhere between a 180 and 360 as a 240 pound professional athlete, as a result of minimal hip contact isn't flopping, then what is? Flopping is a lot like the word contact in that there are many different things that meet the criteria and flailing your arms around wildly meets that criteria. Draymond Green is the Simone Biles of mental gymnastics. The reaction to this latest incident has been a sight to behold. Feels like everyone's kind of fed up with Draymond's act. It's to the point where even Kendrick Perkins is making reasonable comments about it, asking why Steve Kerr has an opinion about everything except Draymond. Kerr's in a little bit of a tough spot because you want coaches to back their players publicly, but does backing players mean burying your head in the sand by blindly defending their actions no matter how wrong they are? Of course not. So he's painted himself into a corner by publicly supporting Draymond all these years. Now Draymond doesn't need any help justifying his actions, but it's hard not to think Kerr's public support hasn't cemented his justifications. Kerr had more smoke for whoever released the pool knockout tape or Stephen A for questioning Steph's leadership skills than he's ever had for Draymond. And this is killing me because I already said Kendrick Perkins was making sense, but Stephen A's point on Steph made sense too. 
pray for me. But if LeBron, MJ, or Kobe was dealing with these same issues with a teammate, we'd absolutely be questioning their leadership skills. And it's not like they didn't have teammates who were wild cards. LeBron was playing with Kyrie right as the wheels were falling off. Jordan played with Rodman. Kobe played with Metal World Peace. What role they played in keeping those guys locked in enough not to derail their teams, I'm not sure. But those guys never derailed those teams and their team derailers. So yes, where's Steph? If Kerr doesn't want him to face that kind of criticism, then maybe he should have jumped on that Draymond grenade a long time ago. The NBA has been complicit as well. What player has the leeway Draymond has to berate officials? Would the league have allowed Ja Morant to drop a documentary on a broadcast partner's network after he was suspended framing himself as the victim the way they let Draymond release a post-Jordan Poole knockout puff piece. This should have been stopped a long time ago. I'm not calling for Draymond to be thrown in jail or kicked out the league, but he clearly has no interest in holding himself accountable, and why should he when everyone else who could have has no interest either? He's been around to run around with the self-control of the water boy and been told it's leadership, it's entertaining, it's endearing in some way when really, He's a jackass, and his jackassery hasn't helped the Warriors win, they win in spite of it, or when he's not acting like one. And now, the people who should have stopped this, who let him get this out of control, are having to face the music, and I'm not sure what you do at this point. The Grinch learned his lesson and changed his behavior. Draymond's heart is still two sizes too small. Moving on, I will admit that comparing Draymond Green to a pear-shaped, bad breath, bad attitude character is pretty easy, so let's up the degree of difficulty and make the Grinch case for someone who the general public doesn't think of as having Grinch-like qualities, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis typically exhibits behavior more in line with Cindy Lou Who, a childlike wonderment and appreciation for most things that he comes across. However, he's also childlike in his reactions to not getting his way, and we saw this after the Bucks played the Pacers last Wednesday. I talked about this last episode, but there was some noise headed into this matchup after the Pacers eliminated the Bucks from the in-season tournament, and Pacers star Tyrese Halliburton did his own version of the Dame Time celebration. Dame addressed it post-game, and he started off reasonable, then he ended his comments with some weird warning about staying humble and tables turning, instead of just coming out and saying, Next time I see you, I'm going to bust your ass. In hindsight, probably a good thing he didn't say that because he's been inconsistent all season, wasn't particularly good in the rematch, but he didn't have to be because Giannis was incredible, scoring a career high and franchise record 64 points. Naturally, after the game, he wanted the game ball. Unfortunately, it was in the possession of Pacers rookie Oscar Shibway, who got it after scoring his first official NBA points, which I guess kind of makes sense since you can only score your first points once, while in theory you could score 64 points over and over and over again. Apparently, a Buck security guard got the ball at the end of the game, and a Pacers staffer went up to him and asked for it, and he handed it over. At worst, this is a misunderstanding, probably easily correctable. You can certainly see why both players would want the ball, but I can't imagine wanting it as much as Giannis did because he lost every single part of his mind and started running through the arena looking for the ball while being held back by his teammates. This was particularly Grinch-like to me because him being held back Reminded me of those videos that get posted on social media this time of year where someone pretends to be the Grinch to scare kid relatives by acting like they're stealing all the Christmas presents and the Christmas tree. 
The kids freak out and grab onto these pretend Grinches to try to stop them from escaping. And it looks exactly how Giannis looked dragging whatever brave souls were trying to stop him from running around the Bucks arena. Just a very odd video. Go find the highlights of Giannis yelling at Tyrese Halliburton and sprinting around in a large contingent of the Bucks organization trying to force their way into the visitors locker room to confront the Pacers. Just crazy. After you watch it, I want you to sit back and think of any other line of work where this would be acceptable. These are men in their 20s, 30s, fathers, husbands, and they're arguing over a ball. Although I'm much better today, there was a time when I was not known for my emotional intelligence or serenity, and I worked office jobs, and I would have pins taken from my desk frequently enough for it to be annoying. Admittedly, I had no sentimental attachment to these office supplies, but I still can't imagine me at my wildest charging around the office like this looking for him. And I've seen enough to be able to say that, you know, this is probably Giannis's thing at this point. He spends all this time endearing himself to the media by doing his best Prince Akeem impression, but when he doesn't get his way, he loses his shit. Remember when he was tossing ladders around in Philly after they weren't letting him get shots up after the game? And I'm not even saying Giannis is necessarily wrong to feel upset in these situations, but his reactions are definitely way over the top. Get a grip. Again, I overreact all the time, so if your overreactions catch my attention, you are really doing too much. Apparently, he did end up with a ball, but he said he doesn't believe it was the actual game ball. Whatever. That wasn't even the most interesting part of his post-game and post-kerfuffle press conference. The most interesting part would be where he claimed he didn't even want the ball for himself. He threw a tantrum for the greater good, a selfless tantrum. He was getting the ball to give to Dame for moving into fifth place on the all-time made threes list. In the game, Dame passed Kyle Korver, who had a solid career, but I'm not sure we need anything to commemorate passing him or being fifth at something, particularly when you could just wait 100 threes or so for him to move into fourth place and get him a ball then. This was Giannis lying his ass off. He didn't even think to get his story straight with Dame, who mentioned nothing about wanting the ball for himself because such a silly thought had never even crossed his mind. Dame talked about why Giannis deserved the ball. During his post-game press conference, Dame said, quote, you know, they took the game ball. And you know, that type of stuff happens in the NBA, you know, when people get offended by how it happened. You know, maybe they felt like he should have been out of the game and you know he was trying to get points or whatever, so they did something like that. They took the ball and said our rookie scored his first NBA points, and it's like, you know, this dude just scored 60, you know what I mean? But that's part of the league, you know? That's the gamesmanship. That's the pettiness. It happens. So I didn't think it was that deep, but it just turned into a lot of commotion and a lot of stuff. Everybody's safe. That's the positive, man. Nobody got hurt. Okay, so from Dame's quotes, we can assume, one, he thinks the Pacers took the game ball, two, he thinks they were mad Giannis was in a game that was out of reach and still scoring points. And three, Dame didn't think it was that deep. I'm here to tell you that Damian Lillard, once again, is completely full of shit. Let's talk about why. Let's start with number two. The Pacers were mad Giannis was still in the game scoring. My personal belief on running up the score is that you should stop me from doing it if you don't like it and vice versa. If I don't like you running up the score, then the onus is also on me to stop you. Giannis left this game with 324 left and the Bucks were up by 19. It was so out of reach they put his brother Thanasis in. But due to Ben Shepard shooting lights out and Thanasis stinking, the Pacers cut it to 9 with 204 left. That's close, so the Bucks starters came back in and again pulled away. 
Giannis scored six of the nine points the Bucks scored after the starters returned, but he had already set a career high and broken the Bucks franchise record set by Michael Redd before he exited the game the first time. In my expert opinion, Giannis had to come back in the game for good reason, and that good reason was to put the game away again, which he did. I doubt the Pacers had an issue with that. This is also where I point out that Dame attributes being upset about doing this to pettiness as though he's above this when he himself got mad at Chris Paul for scoring at the end of a game in 2018. Dame is a believer in dribbling out the clock to end games and he's willing to fight about it. Let's move on to point number three where Dame says he doesn't think this situation was that deep. Now he's hoping the listener will infer that he doesn't think that Giannis being in the game late and continuing to score is deep enough to justify the Pacers stealing the game ball. But that's not what he actually means. What he means is that he doesn't think possession of the game ball is that deep and nobody, the Pacers, Giannis, should really care. How do I know this? Let's go back to his first assertion, his first lie. Number one, that the Pacers took the game ball. First of all, taking implies stealing. The Pacers asked the security guard for the ball and he handed it over. And we can't get mad at the Bucks security guy for doing that because apparently this sort of thing is common in the NBA and it's not his job to understand how important the ball is to Giannis. Especially when Giannis doesn't even know since he was about to turn around and give the motherfucker to Dame for conquering Kyle Korver. Anyways, Dame doesn't mention the security guard or anything, but the implication is that Dame knows the significance of the game and a game ball this important, he wouldn't just hand over. Fuck that rookie's first points, Giannis just dropped 60. This ball means something, so if Dame had the ball after the game, then that shit would have ended up with its rightful owner, Giannis Antetokounmpo, who then would have handed it right back to Dame if he's to be believed. I mean, Dame scored 60 before. Hell, he scored 70. He knows how hard it is to do, how rare it is, how important that ball would be to Giannis, and he wouldn't just hand it over. Except, he did. The Milwaukee Bucks had the ball the final possession of the game. And not just any Milwaukee Buck, but one Damian Lillard, Mr. Dribble Out the Clock himself. And what is he doing? Dribbling out the clock, of course. When the clock runs out and the buzzer sounds to signify the end of the game, what does Dame Lillard do with this magical, historic game ball that's so important to Giannis? He chucks that motherfucker at the hoop and he walks off. The Bucks security guard got the rebound and was immediately approached by the Pacers staffer when he handed it over, probably thinking that if this ball was so important to the members of the organization he works for, then one of them would not have thrown the ball away mere moments before. Dame knows that game ball was not important, just like he doesn't care about other players being humble, just like he knew he wanted out of Portland the second they looked like trash and regretted all his I don't run from the grind bullshit. Just like Giannis knows damn well he wanted that ball for himself and not Dame, just like he knew he threatened to leave the Bucks despite his Milwaukee for life talk if they didn't bring in a second star, just like he knows damn well he's been in America long enough to have a Disney movie made about his life and he's made a quarter of a billion dollars playing basketball and can't possibly still be mesmerized by blueberries or whatever. So Dame Lillard is the real Grinch in this situation. You stink, stank, stunk, Dame dummy. But Giannis is not too far behind. Now this is a good thing because it's fun to hate good teams and the Bucks have a lot of talent. But it's also very weird because I'm hating them not because of how good they are on the court, but how full of shit they are off it. 
and I can't be the only one, especially after you listen to this, so the test is going to be how they respond to being hated. It's never happened before. Dame was the loyal, lovable underdog in Portland, playing with no real expectations, no pressure. Giannis has been the king of the press conference, making a gullible press corps laugh with his corny jokes and amazement at life's simple pleasures, able to hide whatever competitor is there under the surface that has allowed him to become the player he is today. Slowly but surely, the facade is dropping for both players, a combination of increased spotlight thanks to their pairing, a long time in the public eye that leads us to start looking for cracks like these, and a pressure to win now that will only force those cracks to crack faster and faster. So Bucks fans, get ready to defend your squad against haters like myself, because like a lonely fictional green character watching a Christmas celebration from afar, I am ready to hate. The question is can you manage to keep the party going in spite of that? And this has been another episode of Beyond the Arc with Brandon Silvers. I'm gonna try to get another episode out before Christmas, but if I don't, enjoy your holidays and be safe. Really appreciate y'all's support, and I will see you soon. 